Welcome to this BJSM podcast. Today we're going to be talking about ankle sprains and ankle rehabilitation. I'm joined by Evan Verhagen. Hi, Evan. Hello. Now, you've made a name for yourself um, on ankle problems in particular. Um, how did you get interested in this field of sports medicine? Well, it's a rather long story, but to keep it short, my, my path crossed with Willem van Mechelen about 10 years ago. I was a student at his faculty, and he had a thesis for me to finish my Master master of Science degree, and that turned out to be uh, my PhD project, and from one came another, and now we're four, four projects further. Good for you. And what was the main finding from your PhD that's made a difference to clinical care? Uh, we found that proprioceptive balance board training program, which could be embedded in uh, the warm-up of a regular training session of sports uh, was very effective in preventing uh, ankle sprain occurrences. Okay. So let's start with a clinical case. Patient has regular sprained ankle and uh, physio is uh, seeing this patient. What's the best way of treating this case today? Well, before you start treatment, you should be very wary about the diagnosis of this injury. You shouldn't necessarily directly start treatment for an ankle sprain because some other diagno uh, some other factors could be at play here as well. The first thing you need to look at is whether this patient has suffered a fracture. About 10, 10 to 25% of all suspected ankle sprains actually are fractures. So they should be treated differently than, than regular ankle sprains, and you should be very wary about that. Um, you can do so very easily. Uh, through the Ottawa ankle rules, so that should not be a problem. And once you have diagnosed that you're actually dealing with an ankle sprain, um, your best bet on treating that perfectly um, would be functional treatment. So the best thing to do is, is not uh, rest and elevate the ankle and, and immobilize it, but just use it as much as possible, guided by pain of course, and, and increase the load you put on, on the ankle throughout uh, the treatment process. And when you're saying guided by pain, um, how, do you, how do you advise people to do that? Well, of course, the ankle is, is swollen, it's painful, and you can start out with, with fairly easy exercises like, like uh, rotating your ankle while, while not putting any pressure on it, just, just keep the motion going in order to, to increase the blood flow and increase uh, the inner restoration process. And after a few days, the major uh, hematoma is gone and, and people can put some pressure on it. They can, they can do that as much as they feel comfortable, so to speak. In the process of doing that, they, they, they will notice that they can apply more pressure to it. They, they can take some more steps uh, without pain and, and they can take it from there. Yeah, but the progression of exercise is a challenge, knowing when to move patients forward without aggravating things. Are there risks in that, and what sort of advice do you have for clinicians? Well, as a general guide, um, between in, in the first three days of after the ankle sprain, which is the, the, the inflammatory phase, you shouldn't do too much additional exercises, just apply a little pressure guided by pain. And after four to 10 days, if we're not dealing with a too severe ankle sprain, um, you can 
start with regular activities as much as possible. And after one week, maybe one and a half week, you can start neuromuscular exercises or sensory motor training. These terms neuromuscular exercise and sensory motor training, they're coming in now. Um, do you see them as different concepts or are they synonyms? I don't see them very differently. Well, that's my opinion. People talk about proprioceptive training, balance training, and, and well, in theory, they are all different concepts, slightly different concepts, but in practice, it's all the same. What you're doing is you're doing balance exercises. You can do those on the floor. You can do them on a balance board. You can do them on, on a balance mat, and you combine these with some strength exercises like walking on your toes, forth and back, and, and, and hopping on one leg, if possible. So you're, you're actually you're combining balance and coordination exercises with strength exercises for the ankle, whether you call it neuromuscular training or proprioceptive training or sensorimotor training. In practice, that's all the same. Now, let's move into taping and bracing, Eva, as far as this first particular case goes. So this person gets back to sport. Do they need to tape or brace? Well. It, should be advised, of course. Uh, we know very well that even after treatment, treatment according to the best available evidence that's out there, there's still an increased risk for recurrent uh, ankle sprains. And we also know from the sports medicine literature that that recurrence risk can fairly easily be, be uh, reduced by wearing a tape or wearing a brace or through additional proprioceptive neuromuscular training. So yes, you should be you should advise your patients to to wear tape or or brace um, after treatment when returning to sport. How long for? It depends. We know from prospective studies that the increased risk for recurrent ankle sprain is there for somewhere between one and two years. So you should advise your patients to. Um, support the ankle for at least one year when they're using tape or brace. But I would say that you can combine the wearing of a tape or brace with uh, proprioceptive exercises. Evert, yeah, is uh, taping and bracing, are they equally good? Based on my expertise and, and my clinical knowledge, yes. But to be honest, there's not a substantial amount of proper literature supporting my thoughts. Most of the studies are, have gone into bracing, and they're pretty convincing in showing that bracing is, is really effective, and there are only a few studies going into taping. And those few studies, they have some contradicting results. So they, they point towards the conclusion that taping is effective in reducing injury risk, but it's not really conclusive. But I would say it is. With respect to return to sport, are there risks of getting people back to sport too early after ankle sprain? No, there are no risks of returning to to sport too early. Once once an athlete or a patient can put proper pressure on the ankle without pain and and can perform his daily activities and feels comfortable, he can return to sport. But that doesn't mean that treatment is finished. You can be participating in sport again with external measures like tape or brace. You need to support the ankle. And in the meantime, you, you can continue the treatment protocol. When you do these talks in the public, I'm sure people ask you, you know, does ankle bracing increase your risk of getting a knee injury? 
that's a question I get a lot, and I don't know the answer to that. Um, I, re I, I really don't know that. Uh, I haven't seen any evidence that points towards that direction, but I can imagine, and a lot of people with me can imagine, that if you wear a rigged brace, a rigged brace, so that's not the typical brace you might be prescribing your patient, but really a rigged brace, and something happens and you come into that position that would sprain your ankle, and that ankle is fixed, well, the next weak link in the chain is the knee. So, in theory, it could happen, but I haven't seen any evidence that it does happen. And you've done some cost-effectiveness studies, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, is mm -hmm. this something that is, tell us about those and uh, whether that should influence governments to perhaps fund this sort of protocol? Yes, we, we've looked at the cost-effectiveness of uh, an additional unsupervised um, neuromuscular training program that was given after usual care. So we had about 400 um, athletes with a sprained ankle. They, they got usual care. We didn't interfere with that. They just had the care they wanted. And when they were uh, ready to participate in sports again, we gave them... Uh, an exercise protocol consisting of, of proprioceptive and, and muscular strength exercises of the ankle. And we found in that study that for each intervention we gave out to the patient, in the end we had 100 euros less costs per patient. So through the prevention of recurrent ankle sprains, we saved direct costs, costs of physicians and other medical materials, but more importantly, indirect costs, absence from work or absence from sports, which you can put a monetary value to. And in the end, we saved 100 euros per intervention given out, which on an annual basis, in the Netherlands at least, uh, would add up to, to about 250, 300 million euros saved if you would give out this intervention to, to everyone who sprains his ankle. And are you having any success with governments in trying to get them to help in that way? Well, the thing with costs is, is that it's not so much the government that's interested in, in these uh, reducing these kind of costs. It's more the insurance companies. And here in the Netherlands, I don't know how that is in other countries, but here in the Netherlands we have two kinds of insurances. You have your personal insurance and the company insurance. And your personal insurance only covers your direct medical costs, which are a very small portion of the actual costs related to ankle sprains. The major portion of the costs is in loss of uh, working time. That's another insurance company. And those insurance companies are dealing with other major issues at this moment. So they're not too keen on uptaking this kind of interventions. That's an uh, interesting point. Now, we want BJSM listeners to have the very latest and very best uh, on these podcasts. So what are the secrets? What else is there that we can share with our listeners about ankle sprains? Well, I think the thing for the future is, and that's preaching from my own side at this moment, we know a lot about prevention of ankle sprains. We know that tape might work. We know braces might work. We know that proprioceptive exercises are effective. We know all that. The thing is, 
how to get the athletes to actually do it. And I think there's a lot of ground to gain at that side. And there's a very large part um, allocated in, the, in that question for, for clinicians as well. Because you need to advise your patient after care, after treatment, to continue wearing uh, preventive measures or continue to um, carry out preventive exercises. And we don't know actually how to communicate that in such a manner that people actually do it. Uh, do we need to communicate this to the athletes? Do we need to do this uh, within the regular training programs? And if so, what volume do we need to do that? And which exercises are really necessary in, in which volume to achieve an effect? How long should we do that? So it goes more into the tiny details on how to translate the evidence we have towards truly um, clinical practice and actually uh, a practical practice, so to speak. And any practical tips for that? So I'm a clinician, I'm trying to get my patient to stick with the ankle taping in the, after the rehab phase. What, what tips have you got so far from the literature? What practical tips do you have? Well, not so much from the literature, but practical tips from, from own clinical expertise would be that what you need to do is, inside your rehabilitation protocol, assign some time with the patient to actually um, perform the exercises, get get the patient acquainted with the exercises you want him or her to do after treatment and, and keep on uh, explaining the benefits of these exercises and more importantly try to explain that these exercises may also be incorporated in, in regular daily activities. Like a, a fully neuromuscular exercise program can also be um, downsized to doing your regular daily um, dishes standing on one leg or on the other leg or brushing your teeth standing on one leg or on the other leg while, while doing those kind of, of little activities during the day. And that may uh, fit better into a patient's uh, schedule, doesn't cost any time and the patient's more keen to do it. And that's, in the end, from a clinical perspective, maybe less effective than a full-blown eight-week exercise program. But because people are doing it on a public health scale, it's it's has a larger impact. Many of our listeners work with teams, and so they're in a position to try to implement a primary prevention program. What's the evidence for that, Ever? Well, if you look at the available evidence and you look at individual papers, you won't find that much evidence that tape, brace, or proprioceptive training alike will have a primary preventive effect. But we recently have been looking into uh, the pooling of data. And if you pool the data from different studies together, you see that there's a, actually there's a strong primary preventive effect of any of these measures, almost as strong as for recurrent ankle strains. I should say that I'm not sure why this does not pop up in, in regular studies. Um, maybe the this, this sample of previous uninjured subjects is too small to actually um, have enough statistical power to show primary preventive effect, but 
if you look, if you look at the pool data, there's there's strong and convincing evidence that day braces and proprioceptive neuromuscular training are really good in primary prevention. So there's there's nothing against it to wear a tape or brace if you haven't sprained your ankle before, and there's definitely not nothing against it to 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 incorporate some balance, coordination, and exercise in regular warm-up routines of sports. So, Everett, as we draw this to a close, what's the take-home message for listeners on ankle injuries today? I think there are two, two take-home messages. The first one should be that um, treatment should be functional instead of conservative. So at, uh, patients should use the ankle as much as possible in, instead of immobilization. And the second take-home message would be that when you're finished treating a patient, uh, the patient is actually not fully rehabilitated yet. So uh, an additional exercise program or advice to where external prophylactic measures is uh, really in place. Great. Thanks so much, Evan. And I'll direct the listeners to your latest paper on this at the BJSM website, bjsm.com bmj.com